Just a, a few um, thoughts, really, which, which might actually touch on the subject of my, my paper. Um, it's interesting these days when one watches the BBC News or uh, CN, CN, CNN, or if, 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 if I have to bear it, etc., that at the bottom of the screen is always a, um, a rolling text, often to do with. Uh, the FTSE or the NASDAQ or some sort of breaking news and, and, and it's really interesting how we've become tuned into listening to a news item but at the same time taking in this text that uh, rolls across the screen. So I thought I might try a little experiment and do the same. There's a lot of material to cover and clearly I don't have the time to cover it all. So what I'm going to do is put up a, a rolling PowerPoint presentation of some graphs and photographs and ask you to look at that as you please. The text will bear no immediate uh, relevance to that. Now, actually, you're very lucky as a group because when I've done this before, I, I, I put up holiday snaps of myself <laughs> on, the, on the beach somewhere uh, as an interesting experiment. Uh, I'm a psychologist by training. I haven't actually um, practiced properly as a psychologist, although we... Um, uh, I'm still, I suppose, recognised by the profession as, as such. So a lot of what I, I talk about today um, will, will have clear leanings to, um, towards psychology. But I, uh, I come to this text today really as um, um, an attempt, it's not an attempt to bridge, I, I, that sounds a bit uh, presumptuous, but, but, but actually building on work that does try to bring together work on anthropology, work on psychology, uh, work on, on, uh, on history and economics. And the framework is really historical, cultural, and activity theory, uh, which has its origins, interestingly, in uh, um, Marx uh, and Engels' uh, historical and dialectical materialism, but also draws on a lot of uh, Soviet uh, psychology of the, 19, of the 1930s. Uh, and, and this um, sort of canon uh, of, of, of work as it, as it now exists is um, uh, really sees activity or activity settings uh, as the main, um, I suppose, unit of analysis wherein which people make, make meaning. So I'll ask Jenny to roll the, the PowerPoint and I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm going to talk about. So the paper looks at the outcomes of schooling, mainly reading and, and literacy and argues that what we are able to glean from large-scale studies, many of which I've conducted myself in many different parts of the world, um, uh, about the way in which children make meaning or design uh, solutions to real-world problems uh, is, is incomplete. Uh, and, and so certainly in my own research and uh, phase after phase of big national studies, including now one in Sudan that's looking at uh, children's reading through an early grade reading assessment, or uh, the last few years in Nigeria or South Africa or Malawi, I always come away uh, putting the last reference in the final report and feeling really dejected and uh, and, and upset, really, um, because the results are, are, are often so poor. 
Um, do we want to just you want to roll this PowerPoint if it, if it, if it actually works? Um, and so I, um, a few years ago, I thought, well, this, this can't really be, this can't really be, be it because I, 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 I tend to have li uh, little chats with uh, um, children in in African school systems in, 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 in the playground, and they always seem so um, enthusiastic and, and full of beans, really, like, like, like children elsewhere. And it, it seems to me that the results of the uh, reading or literacy assessments, these large-scale surveys, um, <clears throat> belie, as it were, the potentiality uh, and the latent meaning-making capabilities that young African children have. This is a huge problem because, of course, outcomes of schooling as they are uh, constituted on, on the basis of these surveys uh, and so on are uh, the drivers for uh, foreign uh, aid, uh, development assistance to countries. They are the drivers uh, on how uh, schooling and the educational system is, is, is reorganized, they're drivers for what teachers are taught to teach, what curricula are uh, devised uh, to do. Uh, so <clears throat> the argument that I want to make in this paper is, is a simple one. And I argue that we know from what we can see outside uh, of the formal context of schooling uh, that children are enormously creative and resourceful. What we do not know much about is human potentiality as an outcome of formal education, or indeed how formal schooling might enhance or maximize such potentiality. Uh, but it is less an argument about what education's, educational systems should be geared to teach or train, more about recognizing that such dispositions such as savvy or creativity, etc., already exist, but that the context of formal schooling, that the assessment systems we've inherited, um, and the need for certification, uh, etc., hinder our abilities to recognize and harness these dispositions to create new contexts uh, for learning. The second um, argument that the paper um, will make is that there is, uh, in my view, an unhealthy separation or segregation between the activities that take place in African communities and in homes which offer opportunities for learning and those activities that are organized through the formal uh, schooling system. Uh, it's become clear already in the middle of the 19th century that age has become a criterion for organizing human activity and has become a, a, a measure of human cognition, and human development, uh, and a way to sort people. So for those of you who uh, are psychologists or know a little bit of psychology, this is the sort of Piagetian uh, age and stage, which is um, now the, the bedrock of, uh, of educational curricula uh, all over the world, and Piaget's argument was uh, a very simple one, that children at a particular age, chronological age, uh, would only be able to do certain 
uh, amounts of um, uh, defined cognitive activities. I don't know how many people here know, but I don't want to, to venture too much into, in, into that area. But before the age of 12, for example, young children are thought of as egocentric, that they're unable to take another's viewpoint. And I have to say, Piaget, although lambasted over the, the last 30, 40 or more years in the literature, is actually an interesting uh, um, uh, person to uh, to study and the experiments that have been set up by, um, you know, having uh, uh, a scene of something or the other on uh, a side of, of, of uh, cardboard that children couldn't actually see. Piaget tried to demonstrate that children were unable to imagine uh, or take the view, take a view of, of, uh, of what is uh, on the other side. Of course, there have been many, many studies that have, 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 have uh, you know, um, uh, been set up to demonstrate that Piaget was actually wrong uh, uh, about this uh, and about these stages of concrete operational thinking that at a young age children are only able to think with concrete objects and not in an abstract uh, fashion and so on. So many studies that have, dis you know, that have, have uh, try to um, take on that argument and, and many good, good uh, studies as, as such. But uh, this way of thinking has pervaded um, our educational, the formal educational curriculum, uh, including uh, those curricula in, uh, in, in uh, African societies. Uh, so um, really, also historically, I'm not uh, too much of a historian, but historically, um, as the, um, as societies changed and developed in, in, in Africa, and uh, one sees now increasingly a rise in many African societies uh, of uh, a middle class, so too have notions of parenting uh, begun to change. And uh, s slowly, in many parts uh, of, 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 of Africa, although it's confined to a small sector, does one begin to see a continuity between activities and the thinking or, uh, about learning and learning activities <coughs> between the home and the school. Yet in many parts uh, uh, of the community, one of the biggest problems we have in education is a discontinuity between, uh, between home and school. Uh, and I've, I've demonstrated this a number of times, certainly in classes that I uh, teach either on education in, in the UK or in Africa, uh, etc. And, and one sees it, and you, you will have been exposed to it, many of you uh, yourselves, when a, a teacher, for example, in a nice leafy northern suburban school in, in Oxford says, uh, well, shall we take out our history books? And the, the question is less a question. It's a, it's a command for children who, who don't share that kind of linguistic continuity, uh, it, it tends to create a, a huge amount of confusion. There's a lovely book written by a colleague who's a psychologist in Edinburgh, Margaret Donaldson, who um, write, uh, writes about children's thinking. And uh, when little Edward returns home from school on his first day, mother says to him, so how was school? How was it? Tell me all about it. And he says, uh, well, um, I don't think I liked the teacher very much. 
And the mother says, well, why? And he said, well, when she saw me, she said, oh, you must be Edward. Why don't you sit here for the present? And she never gave me the present. <laughs> and so the kind of, of, of use of language, this kind of discontinuity between home and school, uh, is, is, is a, a second argument um, I'm <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> in the paper. I won't go, um, won't go on about it, and I, I don't really have much time, so I'd be, I'd be, I, I'd better get my skates on. Um, I'd like to, to talk about um, two studies, one just, just very briefly, one in um, Malawi and the other in South Africa, the one in Malawi with uh, younger children and the one in South Africa with, uh, with youth. Um, and really to make the argument that um, societies are changing rapidly, uh, often due to, um, to globalization, um, but it also means that there are increasingly different demands on the economic lives, the social lives, the political lives, and so on, uh, of, young, of young people. Um, and because of this rapid change uh, through globalization, through modernity, uh, and so on, the demands of, uh, uh, of, of, of schooling and the outcomes, the expectations, which are often not seen in the, in the schooling system, but later on when people step out into uh, employment and so on, uh, is increasingly mismatched. So um, one of the... Um, um, prompts for the two studies I'll talk about is a, um, is a newspaper article that I came across uh, ooh, probably about 10 years ago now in, in, uh, in Britain. And uh, it, uh, the, the article um, goes as follows. Uh, the sky is the limit for children at a Lancashire primary school for they are designing uh, an airliner with the help of British aerospace. The eight and nine-year-olds have used computers and other high-tech equipment provided by the giant plane maker to plan a supersonic jet capable of carrying a thousand passengers. And this was the Times Education Supplement of the 3rd of March, 1999, longer than 10 years ago. The, the report quotes a teacher who remarks their ideas, their ideas can be difficult, but joyfully difficult. They want to be able to fly a thousand passengers to Australia in a few hours using solar power, and we have let their fertile little minds run riot. I would love to find an airliner which does not pollute the atmosphere, and it's interesting to us how they picked up on that. Uh, in designing the airliner, the children come up with some spectacular new ideas. They've learned about the principles of flight, of lift, of weight, of thrust, and of drag. And they've come up with a design that is 130 meters long and weighs twice as much as a jumbo. They've also projected routes for the airliner and looked at, uh, at details such as livery and so on. So the, um, this was um, an interesting driver for, I suppose, where I was uh, in my research at the time. And I jumped at the opportunity when British Aerospace <laughs> offered to fund a, a research project that I, I, I carried out in, in South Africa, which I'll talk about, um, which I'll talk about in a bit. So um, 
the, the two studies that I will report uh, examines the, re the relationship between the rapidly changing needs of uh, the new global economy and education curricula uh, in Africa. Uh, recent surveys uh, spoken about this reveals that companies are more likely to recruit for adaptability and fresh ideas away from specific skills and competencies towards employability skills such as participation, communication, teamwork and problem solving. Sadly, it seems that many of these skills remain dormant and untapped within the formal education curricula in schools in Africa. There appears to be little in the way of curriculum organization or pedagogy that draws on the underlying capabilities and meaning-making potential, creative capacities, resourcefulness, and savvy that young people possess. And there's virtually no research that demonstrates how the education system might exploit such latent capabilities for employment, for citizenship, and for poverty reduction. There's very little understanding of the latent meaning capabilities that students possess, their facility with resources for making meaning, such as wire or milk cartons, or some of which I think you might have seen on our loop that sees to loop, and the role of indigenous knowledge systems and how these might be used to complement the formal knowledge production used in schools and in tertiary education. In the book, The Changing Landscape uh, of Education in Africa is a very interesting paper uh, by one of our colleagues in, at St. Anthony's in African Studies that looks at the, um, the Khoisan people of um, uh, Botswana. And uh, it's a fantastic, he's an anthropologist, a fantastic paper uh, that looks at how uh, uh, using a, a text that's about the digestive system, a biology text about the digestive system, how indigenous knowledge comes into play when they are questioned about the digestive system and how parts of the digestive system uh, are not uh, the same as they would be recognized in uh, in the formal representation uh, of it. So it's interesting how children from this community, for those who've learned to play the game, are able to hold these two knowledge systems in play and answer appropriately when interviewed about, about the digestive system in a context outside of schooling and answer appropriately too when asked about the human digestive system in the context of the classroom. <clears throat> Unfortunately, for many, many of our young people, holding these two knowledge systems in play is often, uh, is often the, resu the result is often these poor uh, <coughs> attainment uh, uh, pictures <coughs> that, that we see. So to illustrate the point, the point about uh, <coughs> young children having these latent meaning-making capabilities and that they're actually able to use what I call in this paper materiality, material resources or artifacts in order to demonstrate uh, their potential for meaning-making, their potential to design solutions. To illustrate this point, Circle <coughs> shows that when asked to reproduce a simple model, Zambian children do well when the medium is wire a familiar resource and activity in their community, but badly with pencil and paper. English children, this is a comparative study between Zambia 
and England, English children performed poorly with wire, but better with pencil and paper. And both groups performed equally well or poorly when, re when reproducing patterns using clay, uh, a medium that was unfamiliar to both groups. What the study demonstrates is that children, when given different resources with which to make meaning, do rather better when they are constrained, uh, do rather better than when they are constrained to one mode of communication, i.e. linguistic only. So the point here is the tests of children's reading. We have a little video clip that if there's time later we'll show you a little bit of children's reading in the context of uh, Nigeria, the Sudan and so on if you, if you, if you, if you wanted to see it. But of course all, all, all of this prompts the, 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 the rather horrific results that we see. But we go away with this uh, result, this outcome of one linguistic mode only, knowing very little about uh, children's potential to make meaning through other modes of, of communication. Uh, and the argument isn't uh, that other modes of communication should rely simply on material resources like wire. I'm not suggesting that African schools replace the textbook for wire hangers uh, uh, and so on. But I, I'll, I'll try and make this point. Um, but so uh, schools have, have always played an important role in shaping the private, public, and working lives of people. But globalization and technological advance has changed the realms of this major sphere of social activity. And consequently, it seems logical that what is taught, what is learned, and assessed must also change. Where schools have customarily performed the role of providing skills for the traditional economy and laying foundations for uh, homogenous national citizenship, the changing nature of work, of individual lifestyles, as well as shifting patterns in social and civic relations, now require schools to respond differently. Currently, the African education system is geared towards uh, what uh, a few colleagues described as, uh, as the old basics. When we look, however, at the rapidly changing global context of work, the changing architectures of people's public and private lives, it would seem that the demand for skills are somewhat different from the formal aspects uh, of the old uh, basics. Um, so I uh, probably would want to skip a little bit so I can get on to the, the studies. Um, being able to draw upon those things that, that, that uh, students know and can do is an important ingredient for raising the quality and relevance of education and making it more appropriate to changing economic and public demands. This kind of thinking is clearly high on the research agendas and policy agendas of many countries. Um, and the research endeavor into latent funds of knowledge that people have um, uh, but are, are rarely exploited by, by uh, the formal curriculum. Uh, we do see some signs that this is, is beginning to change, but uh, rather, rather slowly. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about the uh, two studies um, and perhaps come back to other things during questions. Is that, is that a good way of doing it? So um, 
uh, I, I spoke about the British Aerospace prompt, the designing of the airline. The other prompt, almost at the same time, was a, a, an obscure report somewhere that a, a competition for designing a low-cost water filtration system uh, for Africa was won by um, a young child of the age of nine in an African country somewhere. It was an obscure report. But this, with the British Aerospace newspaper report, seemed to me to connect uh, things. That here's a you know, young African child without a lot of uh, material resources in their formal school environment, yet was able to use low-cost resources such as wire and uh, uh, milk cartons and uh, discarded Coca-Cola uh, cans, which seem to get everywhere, uh, to, to, to make this uh, low-cost water filtration system, which won an international competition. So, um, in Malawi, uh, the first thing I did was to uh, do a big national study of children's reading and literacy, and as I've said before, the results were were, were, were very, very poor. Uh, and I wasn't prepared at that stage to leave it there, so I selected just a small sample of children, a small group of children who, who had uh, major difficulties in reading and writing, and I asked them to participate in a further round of, um, of assessments. And um, in order to, uh, and what these assessments were, was really to design a, a real life. Uh, problem, and it, it seemed from talking to teachers in that particular local um, area, one of the big uh, problems was uh, that chicken farmers, and lots of these children came from homes in where, where ch chickens were being reared, etc. Chicken farmers were losing lots of their livestock to um, to rogue predators like foxes, etc. Uh, and they're talking to, to the chicken farmers. Uh, one of the key things for them, of course, was, uh, was fencing, but it, uh, what, what kind of fencing became important because holes could be dug under fences and so on. Anyway, so um, we developed a little story uh, which was read to children. And then uh, I gave them a number of resources with which to make meaning, which was really large sheets of car, cardboard and pairs of scissors and dry, dry powder paint and paintbrushes and so on. And the children were uh, invited to work together to build a setting for a, the story they've heard uh, where the animals were the, the, the characters. They also had little plastic molded animals and so on uh, that they um, could, could dot about. Uh, now there's a, there's a big bit in the paper uh, which is, you know, the kind of sort of theoretical bit which talks about different kinds of meaning like ideational meanings and textual meanings and interpersonal meanings and so on, which I won't go into. So, suffice it to say, really, that um, when we use this particular framework, it was a, a very, uh, you know, well thought through, well researched framework in order to pick up different kinds of meaning, in other, uh, in, in other words, different kinds of um, communication uh, possibilities, including gestural communication, uh, in which um, gesture uh, is, a, is an important signifier of what uh, meaning a child wants to make 
or spatial communication, where, uh, you know, including through the use of, of, of hands or through the use of objects, where children say, well, what I meant was for you to put that there and that there, so that, and, and so this notion of spatial communication where they could manipulate uh, concrete uh, objects uh, in the way that people do uh, when they communicate uh, in a way that is unbounded by, by one single mode. So the argument really is that, you know, for many people, they are linguistically able and linguistically capable and can actually talk also in abstract ways about what the wing of this new jetliner should look like, how big it should be, etc. But others rely on different modes of communication in order to make that meaning clearer, some through, through drawing, some through spatial, some through gestural communication, etc. And this framework that had been developed for assessing uh, what children were, were doing and how they were making meaning uh, was applied uh, was applied to this, uh, but also importantly, there were uh, there, there were action modes in which we tried to understand how children made meaning uh, in activity, in activity, in relation uh, to uh, each other, and so on. Um, I, th I think what we found really uh, in all this activity, there was an interweaving of use of image, of action, of speech, and this confirmed that the new story that emerged, the thought, the conceptualization, cooperation, modeling, framing, analysis, reframing, all that went into it, was not solely a linguistic accomplishment. There appeared to be a strong exchange between modes of meaning making. It would seem then to understand what children are capable of as framers of meaning, we need a broader palette of, um, of possibilities. Um, and as far as the South African study goes, I mean, I, I won't read it, I'll just tell you very briefly how we're doing for time. Uh, okay. uh, so I'll tell you very, well, uh, tell you very briefly uh, uh, about that. Um, but here, and, and, and this was with, um, uh, with youth, um, uh, in South Africa, and uh, again, I worked. Um, I worked with uh, teachers who were working in an interesting new curriculum and learning area, um, which was design and, and technology. So, six secondary classrooms were each observed over a period of, of uh, one school term, and the observations looked at an activity that had been. Uh, again, a, a real-life problem-solving uh, activity. In this case, uh, the, the context in South Africa was, uh, was a port, was Durban, where lots of shipbuilding um, uh, took place, and uh, uh, children were set the, the, the task of uh, designing uh, a, a, a ship uh, that uh, was, able to, uh, was, was able to act as a cargo ship to overcome some of the environmental uh, difficulties, um, the, the um, difficulties of getting in and out of, of ports, the length of uh, seafaring, um, and so on. And uh, uh, we observed a number of, uh, of stages, the planning stage, the activity uh, stages, design stages, uh, and so on. And it was interesting that uh, at the time in South Africa, it was just 
um, at the, the end of the um, apartheid era and schools were beginning to, uh, to recruit um, across uh, racial, uh, former racial categories. And uh, so here was an important challenge uh, for meaning making in a cross-cultural way and that people needed to communicate and to be understood where language and uh, separateness, as was the culture of, of apartheid, uh, didn't interfere. That here there was young South African youth come together in an educational space to, uh, to solve uh, a, a problem through uh, designing a solution that would draw equally uh, ac across the meaning-making potentials uh, of different, uh, you know, formally classified racial groups. Some who were able, you know, who were more linguistically able than others. Um, some who were more um, capable, as it were, of uh, uh, employing. Um, low-cost design materials uh, in, in, in these activities. And so that, that was an interesting context um, for, the, uh, for the study. So um, during the investigation stage, for example, which lasted for several days, learners worked as individuals in pairs, in groups, to research different kinds of ships. Learners appear to have no difficulty finding examples of a variety of of cargo ships, uh, etc. There also appeared to be a vast personal knowledge of shipping and shipbuilding in the group. Perhaps not surprising, as the research took place in Durban, uh, a South Af uh, large South African uh, port city. For many students, somebody in their family was involved in the shipping industry, whether shipbuilding, stewarding, or working in the docks. The investigation phase of the de of, of uh, the process provoked an, an enormous variety of debates and discussion amongst the group, including about local and regional needs. Uh, shipping is a central economic activity uh, in this province. Uh, it provided an opportunity for sharing a number of personal biographies. One of the students recounted the story they'd heard from their father about the Durban dock worker strike in the 1970s, which was a national turning point and the rebirth of the trade union movement in South Africa after a period of political silence following the bannings of various organizations uh, and so on. Um, the paper goes on really to describe the, uh, the observations uh, over the, the uh, three months of, of the research. And again, uh, you know, I, I don't want to become too technical uh, about it, but simply to say that setting up that kind of learning opportunity in that sort of way, again demonstrated that uh, a real life um, problem which invited uh, people to use more than uh, one mode of, uh, of meaning making uh, and that drew on uh, artifacts that were culturally familiar, uh, that drew on uh, an attempt to bring uh, home and school that had been uh, traditionally separated uh, where children could invite the, the knowledge and, uh, 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 of, of their parents and others uh, um, uh, in, into, the, um, into the classroom, uh, had huge uh, benefits. Um, and I suppose to conclude the, argu to conclude the argument, really, um, on both the, the South African and the, um, 
uh, Malawian study, uh, the paper has argued that's, that um, large-scale assessments in education has uh, looked almost exclusively at uh, uh, reading and uh, other uh, literacy outcomes uh, as a way of, uh, of determining uh, competencies, these competencies which are uh, used as the baseline for planning of economic activity, other kinds of professional development activity uh, in education. And this is part, in part attributable to the fact that literacy uh, has remained narrowly construed as a set of basic skills. The idea that we require a set of basic skills is not in contention. The paper doesn't, uh, have, uh, doesn't argue with the fact that reading uh, or literacy uh, in the way in which I've described as a, as a linguistic mode, the paper doesn't argue that this is, is unnecessary or that it is any way uh, weakened by some of the arguments that, that we make in the question. Rather, questions have been asked about the nature of, 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 of basics, um, i.e. correctness of um, spelling or the correctness of reading a, a set of words uh, and so on. Lots of studies that uh, um, we can talk about or, or have seen, uh, particularly a graph that shows six or eight African countries. And the, uh, it was a World Bank study and the question there was uh, um, how many girls in each of these six or eight countries are able to read a simple sentence after six years of schooling. So somewhere there is a graph that, that, uh, that, demonstrates, uh, that demonstrates that. Uh, so the argument really is that a lot of assessment in literacy, a lot of ways of understanding the potentiality uh, of children as meaning makers, as children of designers of, uh, of, 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 uh, of futures, uh, etc., is rather narrowly construed, and we test whether they can read a simple sentence or test whether their reading is, is, is fluent. But what we don't test, what we rather, uh, you know, uh, not so uh, good about, is uh, an attempt to find a way of uh, understanding and assessing uh, what um, capabilities uh, other than these formally constructed capabilities uh, that, might, uh, that, that might exist. Uh, it shows that conventional methods of assessing literacy might be capable, might be capable of showing us where students' uh, weaknesses uh, lie, but they remain limited as a means for illuminating how children make meaning with artifacts and in collaboration with each other. The smaller pilot studies show a degree of promise for uh, assessment uh, either school or teacher-based or large-scale, built around a new and dynam dynamic set of assessment tools that are sensitive not only to outcomes and processes, but to action and to artifact-mediated learning. This becomes increasingly important as mobile phones in waves um, um, have, uh, are found littered uh, throughout uh, Africa. And these new screen-based technologies, these new screens, uh, are new ways in which young people, young children in Africa, have begun to construe and to design meaning. These are fantastic devices uh, that, that, that really demonstrate the potentiality 
uh, of, uh, of the youth in Africa. And unless we're able to keep up in ways of understanding this, I think this whole wave will escape us. And that will be uh, a, a dreadful shame. So I, I think I'll leave you there. Thank you very much, Thank you.